Hey, so cool uh, to see all those faces, and uh, we are uh, wrapping up a series today that we've been in for the last few weeks, uh, a series called Making Room for Life. We've been talking about the busyness of life and how we're all busy and we're always on the go and we've got all these things that are going on, and so what we've tried to do these last few weeks is kind of boil it down to, okay, if we're all busy, can we at least agree that we would do well to establish some very important priorities in our life? And so week one, we talked about making room for God and how in the busyness of all things, the very best thing that you can do as a follower of Jesus is to make sure that your relationship with God is at the very center of all things. And in the second week, we talked about not only making room for God, but also making room for people. And a lot of this series has to do with what it means to call Genesis your church. And so one of our challenges to you was to make time to worship, but to also make time for people in your life and to make time for relationships and to invest in those relationships. And from there, last week, Steve Wallen was here and talked about the importance of living on mission, that we are called as followers of Jesus to use our gifts and to use our skills and to use our passions to help people find their way back to God, uh, to glorify our Father in heaven as we live on mission for Him, that in the busyness of all things that we say, you know, these are so important to us that we will make time for God and for people and for living on mission. And today, I want to wrap things up by talking about making room in your life for rest, that at some point, we have to come to terms with the fact that we might be too busy and that busyness can only last so long and that if you've had enough of the busyness Uh, Again, and how appropriate that on this Labor Day weekend, we're talking about the importance of rest and what uh, the Bible, what God's Word has to say for us as Christian when it comes to rest. Uh, The fourth commandment, uh, if you're not familiar with it, in the Old Testament instructs us to take one day a week, each week, to rest. And uh, it's interesting, and if you don't realize this, uh, that the commandments are actually arranged like this, the first three commandments... Uh, talk about our relationship with God. Commandments 5 through 10 are all about the way that we relate to others and we live on mission uh, with and for others. And so commandment 4, right in the middle of it all, commandment 4, the one about rest, the one about Sabbath, really serves as a bridge between the two. You know, we often think, I often think uh, of the Ten Commandments as kind of this vertical list from one to ten, but it's really interesting that if you think about them on a horizontal plane or scale, commandment four really serves as the fulcrum for both sides. It's commandment four that makes loving God and loving others really possible. I mean, resting is the true key uh, to a balanced life. And I just think what a great perspective for us in this series that even as we talk about our relationship with God and, and living on mission and making room for life, the Sabbath or intentional rest really is the key to living a balanced life. That Sabbath rest, really when you think about it, might be the one thing in your life that's missing right now. And it could be the one thing that if discovered and if applied might make all the difference in the way that you live. Now, the word Sabbath just simply means sacred day. Uh, It's a day we set apart. The Sabbath uh, uh, is a weekly day on our calendar that is distinct and special. It's a day that we choose to rest. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at the origin of this word Sabbath with you and what we learn about it from the New Testament. Uh, From there, I want to look at what Jesus had to say about the Sabbath. And then finally, I want to leave you with some thoughts uh, for how you might start incorporating and even practicing Sabbath rest 
uh, in your own life. And, and before we get to these, before we go any further, I, I, I just want to make sure you hear me say this very clearly. The Sabbath, or this day of rest, of weekly rest, is God's gift to you. It's His gift to you and uh, to me as His children. And what He wants to do is He wants us to align our lives, to arrange our lives in such a way that we set aside one day each week, one 24-hour period where we willfully set aside all of the work of life and rest. And so my challenge for you today, uh, and as you leave this service today, my challenge for you is going to be to set aside a day to rest. And uh, to even maybe over the course of the afternoon or today and tomorrow to just kind of look ahead on your calendar. And if you're not currently doing this, to put a day on your calendar where you say, on this date, I'm going to rest. I'm going to give this a shot and practice and take advantage of this gift that God has given to us. Let's do this. Let's take a look at the Old Testament for a moment. If you want to follow along with us, we're going to start uh, first in Exodus chapter 20 and just see for a moment how the Sabbath is outlined for us in the Ten Commandments. And, and again, the fourth commandment is where God instructed His people about the Sabbath and how the Sabbath is a holy day. Let's pick it up in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 8. Here's what the Lord says. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, the word holy just means to set it apart, all right? There is something significant about this day. Verse 9, he says, six days you shall labor, meaning we will work hard, all right? There is a lot of work to do, and sometimes it takes more than five days. Sometimes it takes six days, and we need to do the work, and we need to be willing to work hard and to do all the work. But verse 10 says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then here's this very careful instruction. He says, on it you shall not do any work, neither you, neither your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, God's command, and I want you to notice that it's a command. It's not a suggestion. His command is for all people. And so he says, whether you're a man or woman, whether you work at home or away from home, whether you're a, a full-time college student right now, or maybe you're in high school or middle school, no matter who you are, he, he kind of points out, it is for everyone. It is this command that we will model the rhythm of our week according to a plan and design established by God. And notice the reference to creation, because what did God do? Well, for six days, He worked. For six days, He created. And then what did He do on the seventh day? He rested. Not only did He establish it, but He modeled it for us as His people. See, this commandment from God helps us to see that there is a time to work. And I think it's fair to say, especially here in Hamilton County, the north side of Indianapolis, that we get this one right, all right? We work, and we go, and we're on the move, and we're busy. We don't have any problems with the working part, and we work hard. But I think the challenge is, I think the problem for every one of us is that we don't take the time to rest, or at least the rest that God has in mind. 
There's another place in the Old Testament. Uh, if you turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and I think when you understand the context for these verses, uh, we gain an even greater perspective uh, for the purpose of the Sabbath. Uh, just a little background. You know, God's people or the people of Israel had lived as slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and during that time, they got no break, all right? There was no stopping. Uh, they had no permission to stop working, and so they worked seven days a week, but now they're free, and God is showing them how He's designed them to live. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15 says, remember, God says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God, Moses is saying this, brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Now, here's what's interesting about these two accounts. The Exodus account provides the basis for the Sabbath uh, as coming from creation. And here in Deuteronomy, we see that the Sabbath is grounded in freedom. Let's see, you are free. As God's people, you are free. And, and this is God's command. Don't, don't ever be slaves again. Don't ever be slaves to anything else. And, and just think about how much more this means for us as Christians, uh, that we are free in Jesus Christ. And so to keep the Sabbath is to embrace that freedom uh, and to celebrate that freedom that we have in Jesus. But that means to refuse the Sabbath or to refuse to rest is to miss the point for how God designed us to live, and it's to reject a gift that He's given to us. Now, one of the prevalent issues that came up during the Old Testament times had to do with the rules uh, for the Sabbath, and, and it turns out that God is pretty silent when it comes to the do's and don'ts uh, for the Sabbath. The only basic guidelines that God provided is that we're not to work and that we're to keep it holy, but as time passed, uh, many Jewish leaders came along and brought their own interpretations uh, to this commandment, specifically what was work and what wasn't work. In fact, these Jewish leaders identified approximately 39 categories of work and activity that were to be avoided uh, for the Sabbath. And so what they did is they just piled rule after rule on people and, and prohibited acts and, and work and uh, things like farming and, and no baking and, and no hunting or building or walking certain distances. In fact, uh, they were so rigid in their rules that if you broke any of these rules or if you messed up on the Sabbath, well, then you risk punishment. These rules sometimes we refer to them as legalism, became an incredible burden for the people. But then Jesus showed up on the scene, and He really shook things up. And if you read through the Gospels and you read through the accounts of Jesus' life, you'll see how on more than one occasion Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath and how He was preaching on the Sabbath and how He was healing on the Sabbath and healing on the Sabbath was a flagrant violation of the Jewish law. And so the, the, the Pharisees, they plotted with the Herodians and others uh, how to kill Jesus. But, but Jesus, if you see this for yourself in the Gospels, He didn't care about their codes and He didn't care about these restrictions. But don't misunderstand Him. His rebellion wasn't against the Sabbath, but against the oppression and against these manipulative leaders. And as one person pointed out, Jesus wasn't opposed to the Sabbath. He just reframed it. He got people back to the heart of the gift and what it was really intended to be. I mean, Jesus got us back to the heart of the Sabbath, and He reminded us that Sabbath is about rest, and it's about reprioritizing our lives around God. And on one occasion in Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 27, Mark has recorded Jesus as saying, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
And then he said, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. See, Jesus wants us to see that the Sabbath was not meant to be another burden. It's not meant to be another rule to break. I mean, he, he knows that rules and legalism can wreck the purpose of the Sabbath, that it's God's gift to us. Like, Sabbath isn't punishment. It was made for us, and it's all about our freedom. I mean, think about it. It's no coincidence at all that, that Jesus was guilty of healing people on the Sabbath. He was just simply setting them free, setting them free to live their life and to discover wholeness again, to discover the meaning of life. Well, these rules and regulations didn't go away with Jesus. And in fact, if you look back in history in AD 321, uh, Constantine, uh, the first Roman emperor, uh, declared that Sunday should be a national day of rest. And with it came all sorts of rules uh, and regulations. Uh, from there, all throughout history, even up today, uh, various groups and churches and denominations have established uh, these burdensome rules and regulations. I mean, there's a good chance that maybe for some of you, you grew up in a home with some rigid rules uh, about some do's and don'ts that, that were forced uh, to you or on you on something like a Sunday or whatever other day you established as your Sabbath. And I hope that some of those were good and maybe there were some positive intentions uh, in those, but it's possible that some of those weren't so good. Now, where's our culture today? Where's our Christian culture today uh, when it comes to the Sabbath? Well, my guess is that very few of us would be accused of legalism when it comes to the Sabbath, but think about it. I mean, think about our culture today. I mean, what does the average American work, work like, life look like today? And, and when I say work life, I mean all of the things that go on inside of the home and, and outside of the home. Well, we've coined a term for it. Uh, a very useful term for the pace we keep, 24-7, right? Just like the Waffle House. I mean, 24-7, you know, we're, we're always on the go. We never close. We're, we're always busy. I mean, that's the way that most people view their week and their life. I mean, we're so busy, and we're always in a hurry, and we're always on the go 24-7, and we're all guilty of it. I was reading last week, one pastor said it like this, you know, the fourth commandment is the one commandment Christians brag about breaking. We don't brag about lusting, we don't brag about cheating, we don't brag about coveting, but we sure like to brag about working nonstop, going 24-7, never slowing down to rest. Uh, this past August, a, uh, well, that would have been a year ago, actually, uh, I was reading an article where uh, one Bank of America intern in London was found dead in his apartment after working 72 hours straight. Uh, he pulled three all-nighters, 72 hours straight in a row, and then he went home after work and evidently collapsed uh, in the shower and died. And uh, an investigation was done in this particular office, and they discovered that it wasn't uncommon for interns to put in 100-plus hours a week. And, and according to this one news story, one intern was quoted as saying that there's this competitive pride among inter amongst interns where we just keep going and going and working these long hours trying to top other people. It's pretty scary, huh? I mean, as we've talked about it, there's kind of a badge of honor with our busyness. And, and I realize that that's an extreme example and, and a rare example. But do you know what? I believe that we are and we will pay a terrible price for our busyness if we don't slow down. And I think we'll suffer in physical ways and even are today more than we realize. I think our marriages will suffer and are suffering. Our families suffer because of our busyness. Our kids suffer because of the busyness. And I think 
I really do believe that our busyness has a big part of it. And not only uh, is it reflected or does it affect our relationships, but our busyness, it, it steals away our joy. Uh, it steals away our happiness. It affects our health and our relationships. It negatively impacts our ability to enjoy life and, and the people that are most important to us. Mark Buchanan says it like this. He says that our busyness kills the heart. It makes us stop caring about the things that we care about. Man, have you ever noticed that? I've noticed that in my life. I mean, I mean, do you know that feeling at all? I mean, any, I mean, any of you would say, you know what, I, I get it. I, you know, I'm tired of the busyness. See, we're not made to live 24-7. We're not wired to live like that. And do and you know what? I... I think we know it. I think we realize it. And, and even if you're here today, if you call yourself a Christian or maybe you don't call yourself a Christian, I think we all know that the excessive, nonstop, get your kid involved in anything and everything, always on the go busyness is not, it's not right. But it's hard. And the challenge is that our culture isn't set up to do it any other way. And, and so because of that, we're busy. And and I just think that when we get busy, they, we, we come to weeks and months and seasons where we just sort of trudge through life and we lose our sense of adventure and, and our joy is robbed away. Um, I've been reading a, a great book all week long that's really helped me in prepping for today. And uh, it's a book that I read and just think, wow, I wish you would just read this book. Uh, it would just be so much easier and you probably get so much more out of it. So I want to recommend a book to you for those of you that might be intrigued or if you like to read. Uh, the author's name is a pastor, Mark Buchanan. Uh, he's written a book about the Sabbath called The Rest of God. And he just does a great job of historically examining Sabbath and what it means, but also just practically looking into our culture saying, okay, how do you make this work? today. And if you read it for yourself, you're going to read it and think, wow, this is where Paul's message came from. It's true. It's where my message came from uh, is in reading this book, but the rest of God uh, by Mark Buchanan. But he talks in there about one of the things that we need to do is we need to cultivate what he calls a Sabbath heart or a, a Sabbath attitude, that it really is a shift in our thinking that, that when God calls us or commands us to keep the Sabbath day holy, that means to set it apart again, to make it distinct, but it's rem a reminder to us that it, it's so much more than just picking a day to rest, but he says it's also about consecrating that day, that, that in our minds we make this shift where we start looking to this day and thinking, okay, this day is going to be so much different, and, and it's when we refuse to live by a 24-7 schedule, and we start looking at our life and asking, okay, how can I start living a 24-6 rhythm instead? You know, there's a, uh, an exercise that some pilots, some student pilots go through uh, late in their flight training, and it's uh, when the student pilot uh, gets the plane to a, a comfortable uh, altitude, uh, a comfortable cruising altitude, and then all of a sudden the instructor will take over, and what he'll do is he'll place a sack over the pilot's head so that they can't see, still breathe, I hope, um, but so that the student, can, again, can see nothing. And from there, uh, what this, the uh, instructor will do is to take the controls and just start stunt piloting uh, the plane. And so uh, he loops the loop, he pushes the plane, he, he flips belly and then swoops earthward, he, he rollicks and then spirals and nose dives and tail spins uh, to get the student all disoriented. And then he lets the student uh, come out of uh, this situation. He, he puts the plane in a suicide dive before taking the sack off the student's head. And the student's job is to get the plane back 
under control. It's an exercise that's referred to as recovering from an unusual altitude. You know, that's what the Sabbath is intended to do for us. It's to help us in our mess and in the disorientation and in the speed and in the pace uh, recover, really, from an unusual sort of altitude or pace. So Sabbath is about taking a day to recover and rest and enjoy and delight in the Lord, and it's a gift from Him. It's a gift that He's offered to you, and He's offered to me, and He wants us to enjoy it as we set aside a day for Him each week, and we rest, and we enjoy this renewal and recovery. Now, just real practically, when do you do something like that? Uh, let me say this first. Uh, while Sabbath is probably, or while Sunday is probably the most ideal, it doesn't have to be Sundays. Uh, in fact, some of you, you might typically work on a Sunday, or you've got some uh, commitments that maybe you can't move around, and so Sabbath doesn't have to be Sundays. All right, it can be another day that you set aside that, that works for you uh, as your day of rest. I, I think what my wife and I find is we're typically kind of looking ahead to our week and thinking, okay, what's the best day uh, for us to have Sabbath or rest as a family this week? Uh, but honestly, I will say this. I think as much as we can, it's beneficial to establish a specific day each week that we keep uh, so that we can develop a regular pattern uh, for living. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, okay, what do people do with this so-called uh, Sabbath that you keep referring to? Well, glad that you asked. Uh, and I would just say that for those of you that are intrigued by this, uh, what I want to do is I want to offer you a couple of thoughts or words for how you can think about uh, how you might plan your Sabbath day. But before I do, let me warn you about two extremes when it comes to planning or experiencing Sabbath. The first is legalism. And I would just say that for you or for you and your family, be careful of the rules, the rules that you establish for this day, because if you're not careful, legalism will steal the joy from your Sabbath and it will turn it into a burden. But I think the other extreme that we come up against in planning Sabbath is what some call minimalism. And this is where we start looking to shortcut it. Uh, we start looking for the full benefits uh, of the Sabbath, but, but we approach it casually. We look to shortcut it, and uh, it's not going to pour life into us like it's intended to uh, if we do shortcut it regularly and repeatedly. So for those of you that are ready to give this a shot, uh, let me offer you two words uh, to think about uh, what to do. Uh, and what not to do, really, uh, with your next Sabbath day. And uh, again, my good buddy, Mark Buchanan, I don't know him, I'll just call him my good buddy, uh, describes what he calls the golden rule uh, for the Sabbath. And he says that when it comes to the Sabbath and what you do with the day, think about these two things, two words. And now the first word has to do with what not to do on the Sabbath. And if you're taking notes, uh, write this down. The first word is the word cease. And he says that we are to cease doing what is necessary. Sabbath is a day when we cease doing what we ought to do. The Sabbath means to stop working. Uh, it's kind of like when you were a kid. You remember, if you're still a kid, you remember when you get a snow day? You get real excited about a snow day. I mean, you wake up, you see all the white snow on the ground, and then there's the cancellation. The phone rings uh, from the local school district saying that there's no school. And so all of a sudden, you've got this day. If you remember it as a kid, all right, you've got a day that you weren't planning on. You can go back to bed. You can stay in your pajamas. You can enjoy the day. But when it comes to Sabbath, again, God, 
God wants to give you a snow day, but if you're like me and you hate the snow, all right, imagine a snow day with no snow, all right? That's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is like a snow day. And the Hebrew word, again, for Sabbath, I mean, it just literally means to stop, to stop working. And, and it's a day when God invites you and me, just like He did, after six days, to stop and to rest. One writer says it like this. He says, the Sabbath is a day when we stop trying to be God. And uh, it's a break from what we ought to do. And even though our list is never done, we put aside our to-do list and we move from what we ought to do to what we get to do. And we follow this scripture in Psalm 46.10 when the writer says, be still and know that I am God. When he records for us, be still. God says, be still and know that I am God. One, one translation of the Bible records it as saying, cease striving and know that I am God. But that's tough to do, right? I mean, we're more comfortable with going and working and activity, and we're afraid that we won't get it all done. Hey, don't miss this. Here's what I want you to see. Can you see, and here's what I'm discovering with Sabbath, can you see how there's a kind of humility required to stop and rest? Can you see how, how there is a level of trusting in stopping to rest? And what happens when we do this? Well, the beautiful thing about it is that God not only wants to give us the gift of rest, but He wants to also increase our faith in Him and our trust in Him and our dependence in Him. And so the question for you and the question for me and the question for your family is, will you trust God? Will you trust God enough to take one day a week out of your week and rest? A long time ago, a colleague of Martin Luther turned to him, uh, the great church leader Martin Luther, he turned to him one day and he announced him, today you and I shall discuss the governance of the universe. And Martin Luther looked back at him and said, no, today you and I will go fishing and we will leave the governance of the universe to God. And uh, boy, I think he just gets right at the heart of the Sabbath, that observing the Sabbath is just one more way that we surrender all things to the Lord and we stop working and we cease doing what is necessary. And so what does that include for you? Well, let me just give you some examples. And again, I, I want to caution you to beware of legalism, but, but think about taking a break from these sorts of things, things that cause unwanted physical exhaustion. Uh, no hurry on the Sabbath. There should be no more hurrying. There should be no multitasking, uh, no worrying, uh, no excessive decision-making on the Sabbath, no catching up on errands, uh, no grocery shopping, if that's worked to you, no overdoing it with technology. And if, I would say that if you can help it, I would avoid technology completely. Uh, that means no phones, no Facebook, and no email. It's anything that you would consider work. Now, some questions that I think might come up is, well, what if you have kids and they're wanting some lucky charms uh, on, uh, you know, Sabbath day, or there's no milk for the cereal? Well, again, I would just say beware of legalism, all right? And, and this means that it isn't to become a burden for us, especially for you or for those that love lucky charms uh, in your house. But consider this, as you think about setting aside a day, as you think about establishing a rhythm or pattern, it may cause you to think through the other six days of your week and think about, okay, how do I get the work accomplished so that we can truly rest as a family or as an individual on Sabbath day? Uh, what if you've got kids? Uh, what if you've got kids in sports and, and various activities? I will tell you this, that incorporating Sabbath into your life might cause you to make some tough decisions. 
uh, for your family and for your children, that it means that they don't get to play football, soccer, and play in the band all at the same time, you know? Uh, you might have to make some changes like that, but uh, my, my wife, we wrestle with this, and if a baseball game or if a cross-country meet comes up on a Sabbath day, uh, what we just do for now is we try and make it a family experience, and we try and have fun with it. And, you know, I think one of the great things that we can sometimes do on the Sabbath is to, to serve, to, to really kind of move with a servant's heart. And so, you know, sometimes for us, we're just looking at that event thinking, okay, is there an opportunity to serve here today uh, as a way of making it something even greater? Uh, what if you've got young kids? And if you've got young kids, you know that while you might be all on board with taking a Sabbath, it doesn't mean your kids, especially your young kids, are in with this. Uh, but maybe what it is and what I've discovered is that it's a change of perspective for you, uh, that remembering the Sabbath is just as much a heart thing as it is an observing thing. And so for me, um, as I'm receiving God's gift in me, as I'm setting aside all of the work, maybe I'm finding that I'm more prepared to fully uh, enjoy my children, uh, even if they are little for you. And so I would just say that in every season of life and with every person, there's going to be different scenarios and different questions to ask. And what is work for one person isn't work for another person. And so you need to ask these things and, and experiment for yourself. But I found this interesting. Uh, some Jewish families, uh, traditional Jewish families that observe the Sabbath, will, uh, they will place a, a box, like a wood box with a lid by the front door of their home when the Sabbath begins. And and so when the Sabbath arrives, family members will put various items in the box, uh, items that they don't want to be distracted by over the course of the next 24 hours. And so they'll put car keys in the box, or they'll put a watch, or a cell phone, or a laptop, or a remote control. And when they close the box, it's a reminder that it is now time to rest. And so maybe the question that I would have for you is, what would it be for you? What would you put in the box? as a way of saying, I'm, I'm taking a break from this. This is work to me, but now I'm resting, and I'm trusting, and I'm depending. All right, now for those of you who are breaking out in hives or sweating about the thought of 24 hours away from your phone and email, you might be wondering, okay, what am I supposed to do with all of this time? I mean, do we put on robes and chant and uh, wait for the day to end or what? No. Let, let me show you another side of the Sabbath, because remember, the day is supposed to be restful, and it is supposed to be life-giving, and a lot, um, a, a lot of that has to do with what we cease doing and the work that we stop doing, uh, but there are things that are worth giving your life to and are life-giving, and that's the second part of Buchanan's golden rule, and it starts with the word embrace. And what he just simply says for us, he suggests that we embrace those things that give us life. Um, Another pastor that I enjoy, he says, we, we look to those things that fill our tank. What are those things that give us enthusiasm? We stop working and we start doing those things that give us life. And this is where it gets interesting. Uh, Dan Allender is a professor. He suggests that we ask this question when we think about our day. He says, what would you do for a 24-hour period if the only criteria was deep joy? Or another way to look at that question would be to ask, what would be, give me the greatest sense of God's presence uh, in my life? Uh, one pastor was teaching on this subject, and, and she suggests that we think and we plan our day uh, according to five words. Uh, these aren't in your notes, but let me give them to you quickly. The first word is the word delight. We should do those things that we delight in. The Sabbath gives us freedom, uh, she says, to do those things that are life-giving, things that we delight in. 
One writer said it like this, delight is passing through the day without passing it by. And so what things do you delight in? Uh, What things give you the most joy? The next word to consider in planning your day is the word worship. Um, Our Sabbath day should be filled with opportunities to worship. And and if you observe the Sabbath on a day like today, on Sunday, uh, it's a great time to come together first as a a church family and, and to worship and to sing songs and to reflect and and just to, to, to worship uh, together and maybe to worship on your own as well. But it kind of leads into the third word as we plan our day. The third word is the word engage. Uh, and that just simply means that our Sabbath day is a great opportunity to engage or connect with God, uh, to really grow in our relationship with Him because we're clearing away the clutter and we're making sure that we get that time alone uh, with God. And so that means that if it's been a challenging week and you didn't really get that time with Him, well, the Sabbath day is kind of a day to come back to that. Uh, Or maybe you spend 15 minutes a day uh, with the Lord each day. And so the Sabbath can be a great day to take 30 or to take 60. And um, it's a great way to get that time back with Him. And we engage with God on the Sabbath and and we journal and we read or you can pray. Or again, you can have that time in Him with worship. We invest in our relationship with Him. So that ought to be a part of our Sabbath day. Another word is the word rest. This is good news for nap lovers. Because Sabbath means rest. It means naps. And uh, so some of the best Sabbath time, and uh, maybe for some of you, is you take a nap, and you take a nap on the Sabbath because rest means rest. And so full permission to find that favorite place in a favorite blanket and take a nap. Now, let me add there, I realize that if you're a young parent, again, this becomes a little challenging. Or if you're a single parent, you've got to get a little creative when it comes to the resting part. Um, But if you're married, it might mean taking turns and uh, giving each other that gift of a nap. Or if you have the luxury of grandma and grandpa or some good friends uh, around you, um, you know, what do you need to do in order to carve out some time for that rest, even if it's only for a short time? And the last word is a word that I think many of us struggle with the most, and I know that I do. And uh, it's not what you think of when you think of Sabbath, but this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, The final word is play. Uh, that we should take time on the Sabbath to play, that the Sabbath is intended for play because we get caught up in work. If you're like me, we get caught up into all the things that we ought to do and need to do, and we forget to take time to play. And if you don't know how to play or you forgot how to play, uh, you might need to experiment with this a little until you really discover those things that bring you joy or give you rest. Uh, What might that include for you? Well, for some of you, that could be fishing. Uh, You've got permission to fish or to hunt or to go for that run or uh, to ride your bike or to to visit a new park each week with with your kids. Maybe maybe that joy for you is cooking or gardening or painting or writing or photography. And again, what's uh, not work for you uh, might be work for someone else. For instance, I like to mow my yard. I I find it to be very refreshing to mow the yard. Others of you, that would be the last thing uh, that you would ever choose to do. One of the things that I also like to do on the Sabbath is I don't mind cooking just on the Sabbath, just one day a week, uh, and I can find some joy in that. Again, my wife would look at that as more of working, and so she wishes me all the best uh, in cooking on the Sabbath. And so it's different for everyone, and again, you might have to ask, what is play for you? But play also involves spending time with good friends, uh, enjoying a good meal together. It involves spending time with family. We should do these things on the Sabbath. Sabbath means planning new adventures 
with your family. Last Sunday, we got away after a nap and a little bit of the St. Louis Cardinals. We got in the car. We drove over to Pendleton, went to Jimmy's for some tangerine ice cream, and uh, then wandered down to Fall Creek Park and just kind of threw those fishing poles in and did a little fishing uh, with the kids. And that was our time uh, of rest. Maybe an adventure for you is a kickball game in the backyard with the kids. Uh, Here's a suggestion for you if you're married. In Jewish traditions, married couples get brownie points for having sex on the Sabbath. Got to love religion like that, right? All right, that's good stuff. But the question is, what would you do if you had a 24-hour period where the only criteria was to pursue your deepest joy? Sabbath is when we cease doing what's necessary and we stop working. We embrace those things that give life. Hey, before I wrap up, here's the thing. The Sabbath is God's gift to you. And it's the gift of rest, a day to enjoy Him. And my challenge for you uh, is to keep, uh, keep exploring this. And if it seems an impossibility to you right now, I mean, what would it look like for you to set aside an afternoon soon or to look ahead on the calendar and to pick a day and to protect it? and to enjoy the benefits of resting and enjoying life and spending time uh, alone uh, with the Lord. Uh, There's a verse that I I discovered this past week that I just keep looking at and just kind of experiencing the promise of these words. Uh, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 and 14. Listen to the the command uh, and then the promises of God in this. He says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, here's the promise, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And he says, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We pray with me. Father in heaven, we, we receive this gift today. And, well, we do want to find our joy in you. What, what a gift. What a, what, a, what, what a command. What, a, what an honor to realize that you have, you have laid out a plan, a design for how we should live our week. How life really works. Six days of work one day of rest. God, would you help us to find that? We crave that, Lord. Help us to understand what it means to stop doing, to stop working, and to embrace those gifts that you've given us so that we might find our joy in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.